You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 56 of the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City, with your favorite co-host, Khan Bayazid. How you doing, sir? Good, thank you. Big in Japan tonight. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have a whole new follower following set of followers base of followers <laughs> um, yeah it, what an exciting day today is what a lovely sunday but again not to spoil uh sh- do you want to say anything con before I, I get into the match proceedings yeah before we get into the game let's just uh, put this out there that your your hex has been broken yeah it's Lost today, Besiktas did not. That's right. Uh, so, so for anyone who's just tuned in, there had been this hex or curse that whenever the Knicks and Besiktas played on the same calendar day, and, and like I'd even factored in time zones, the results were the same. If the Knicks lost, Besiktas lost. If the Knicks won, Besiktas won. And this is bad for Besiktas because the Knicks are terrible. But so finally, <laughs> and this is rare, finally, uh, Besiktas played first on, a, on, the, on the day and the Knicks played directly after the match. Uh, and this is in part thanks to, to Erdogan's tricky um, daylight savings time <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but so luckily the Knicks played on the same day and the Knicks lost despite Bajitaj's win, breaking the hex and freeing us to success in the second half of the season and allowing the Knicks to gracefully tank into a high draft pick. But. With that said, let me just break into it. Th- thank you for that acknowledgement, though, Khan. On a personal level, that really warms my heart. Yeah. When you, when you were talking about the draft pick, I'm sure that uh, 50% of our listenership's cl- eyes just glazed over, yeah, like, as mine did. What are you is. talking about? <laughs> screw the Knicks. Okay, and, and indeed, screw the Knicks. Let's go. One more notific- one more note that I have to put out or a rectification from our, our, our last episode. Um, unfortunately, it does seem that there's no option to buy for Shinji Kagawa. Um, Are we gonna go into speculation mode or? I sorry. Shall we like have we a, to... a section where we talk about this a little bit maybe in, later on in the episode? Sure, but I just wanted to put the rectification out there at the start of the episode, just so that the, officially there's no option to buy as of this point uh it was reported initially that there was a 1.6 million option to buy included in the contract that is not the case uh supposedly but uh we'll go into that a little bit deeper later on in the episode as sinan already said um but let's get to the the match proceedings for today's game sinan yeah i have a theory on that which again we'll talk about but so yes let us talk about today's big match 
And so going into the match, our lineup was you know, not, nothing too shocking, except perhaps there was like a good decision made. Uh, Kario started as the keeper. Vida and Isimat Mirin continued their run as a partnership in the back line after uh, the last match where Vida was out. He was suspended, right, Brighton? Yep. Uh, Gokan Gonul and Adriano started on the wings. Adriano starting over Janeiro Erkin. Uh, so he's back and healthy. That's a good note. But it also freed Janeiro Erkin to play on the left wing slot, given Quaresma's uh, suspension. Germain Lenz played opposite him. In the center of the midfield, we had Atiba Hutchinson and Dorokan, uh, as well as Adem Lijajic in the number 10 role. So of note, again, two defensive midfielders, although, and we'll get into why, but I think it's probably time to acknowledge that Dorokan Tukus is officially a central midfielder. Uh, and of course, the, the nice bit of news here is that Guven Yalchin started up front. And this is good because it had looked as if Kyle Laren might have been sneaking into the that number two role after these last couple of matches. Uh, and Guven, I think, after that first half of the season, merited that second slot. But anyway, anything you want to say about the uh, lineup before I get into match proceedings? I was happy to see Guven start. I think he also had a good game uh, today, so I think he'll continue to start if Burak isn't fit uh, or suspended. Um, uh, I think it was all in all a really good lineup. Uh, I, I, of course, I would have preferred to see Kagawa start, but I, I completely understand Shino Ganesh's decision here um, that he For wants to ease match. him into the team. <laughs> given the fact that, that Kagawa has, has, has played only uh, something like 400 minutes, including friendlies, uh, all season, so I get that he doesn't have the match rhythm yet. He doesn't want to rush him in too much. Um, but uh, like you said, for just one match, I hope that Kagawa gets uh, the nod next week because I didn't think Janner had a particularly good game, which was to be expected as a left midfielder. I don't think he's a he's a decent enough backup for that position, but he's not a viable starting option for me. I agree. I fully agree, and I'd like personally to see. Lijic given a role in there in that slot since I think Kagawa's very likely to be in the number 10 role in the upcoming match at the very least because and let's let's talk about why that might be the case so I'll get right into the match so I'm not spoiling the first half was somewhat droll uh, to be you know in, in the name of the truth I have to be perfectly honest I did not see the first 20 or so minutes of the match uh, I was so, so angry about missing it, and I, I was like rushing to get home. I thought Kagawa was, would be playing, and I didn't, I, I didn't have the chance to see the lineup or anything. So I was like fuming that I was missing his debut. And so actually, to, as a side note to Khan's disappointment, or quasi-disappointment about him not being in the first team, I was actually so happy he wasn't, because I thought I'd missed his debut. But uh, anyway. I didn't miss anything, and in fact, right after I tuned in, so I'm the, the talisman of luck, perhaps, <laughs> that really pissed off Yusuf in our group chat, um, Adem Lijic got awarded a penalty. Uh, the penalty was actually given to Gokan Gunul on the corner of the box. What did you think of the call, Khan? 
clear penalty. I no thought doubt. so, right? Uh, the keeper clipped Gokan Gonul, who was just near the touchline. I think he could have controlled it and put the ball in. Not, not necessarily doesn't, shot, doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't was fouled matter. there. Adem Liayat steps up for the penalty, there, takes the yeah. shot low to the left corner, and it is saved. Guven Yalchin pounces on it, puts it in the back of the net. Goal! Whistle. Just kidding. But in a weird twist, Guven Yalchin was not even close to being the only person who'd crossed the threshold. There were probably like five or six guys, including a few Antalya sport players. So the whole thing got whistled back. Replay the penalty. Adem Liayic takes it again, and this time, very, I mean, beyond a doubt, at the second it comes off his foot, you know that's a goal. Besiktas takes a 1-0 lead. In the 35th minute. In the 39th minute, then, and Besiktas at this point has awoken. They are looking fierce. Durakan Tokuz on, on an Adriano pass. Scores again, scores again, and in theory this would be like his fourth game in a row scoring, but the first two didn't count. But so for his second game in a row, he scores officially. Khan, any comments about either of those first two goals? A lot, a lot of people will say that, that Light shouldn't be taking penalties, but I, I thought the first penalty was, was well struck. I think it was just a good save by Buffin. Uh, second one was a really good penalty. Uh, you know, so... I think he can take penalties if Kagawa isn't going to take them. Probably Kagawa should take him. He's a good penalty taker too. Um, but well, yeah, I don't have any problem with Leitch taking the penalties. Uh, probably would, would feel a little bit more confident with a guy like Kagawa taking them, who might be a little bit more pure business. Uh, the, the, the second goal was great. Very well crafted. Um, lots of players involved in the build-up. Jermaine uh, Lenz, Leitch, Janner. Um, Adriano with the final pass and, and a good goal by Guven Yelchin. It was a really good Durkan, goal. Durkan. Uh, oh, sorry, yeah, by Dorokan, sorry. Um, so, um, yeah, good, well-crafted goal. Jermaine uh, Lenz uh, also gave the pass that led to the penalty. He was also in the instrumental in the build-up here. Uh, so I think that was a good start to, for his game uh, as well. Should be mentioned he, because he didn't get on the score sheet. And Durakan is scoring on on all levels, right? He's he's put in headers, he's put in long golazos. You know, now he's put in little sort of poachers, sort of shots across the bow. You know, he's doing he's doing it all for us, Durakan. And I, I I don't know how much anyone even cares about this anymore. But the dude's earned a call up for the national team, right? I, one thing I'll say is I like to see Besiktas represented well whenever they can be, and certainly Durakan is uh, performing at a very high level, not just as a sort of prospect anymore, right? No, he's uh, he's earned it for sure. I've seen uh, Galtzrite players get called up after two games, for so far less, right? Yeah, this, yeah, this this kid this kid deserves it wholeheartedly. Uh, reminds me a lot of uh, Ozan Tufan when he was at uh, Bursa Sport under Sinan Gunesh. Um, you know, uh, just great box-to-box. Uh, definitely wouldn't describe him as a central midfielder. Uh, definitely a box-to-box because I, I, under a central midfielder, I understand a little bit a different role. He's definitely he's not an eight. He's not a real six-eater, but. Yeah, Dorkan's just so good. He knows where to pop up, when to pop up there, covers a lot of ground. Um, and he's he's been in the box so often uh, in the right place at the right time. Um, yeah, 
I, I think he's a he's been a great addition to the team. I mean, and like football manager classifies box to box guys as central midfielders, but it is a sort of a subcategory. I, I, you know, it's yeah, but I know what you mean. It's it's a special brand of midfielder that exists in the center of the midfield. Uh, I guess if you could call it that. But yeah, anyway, moving on. In the 43rd minute, uh, Lijajic puts in a nice free kick. And who but Atiba Hutchinson with a nice little tip in. And Bezutash takes a 3-0 lead. Uh, was it saved or did it come off the post, Khan? Oh, that was parried by, by Boffin and um, hit on the rebound by uh, Atiba Hutchinson for the, for the goal. Very nice, yeah. And uh, so Lijic getting his footprint all over this match, as he has many matches, and I and I, I've heard more criticism of him of, of late than I, I ever would wish to. But I, I'm going to stand by my dude Lijic. Anyway, at the half, Freddie comes into the match. Out goes Ozturk. Uh, as an Amilton came in for Antalya, out went Drolle. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that one right. Or not in the 50th minute, Dukara strikes for Antalya in a, on a fierce counter. I don't think you could put this on the defense. They actually defended it well. It popped back out. Dukara had a nice shot on goal. It's, I, I, you know, just a, another one of those things that Bessie has been doing all year. Uh, and they allow they allowed Antalya back into the match. One to three at this point, it stands. In the 59th minute, Kyle Laren comes in for Janair. Uh, but I noted that Kyle Laren shifted to the striker position and Guven Yalchin shifted out to the wing. And shortly thereafter, I mean, Antalya was on the attack. They looked hungry. Um, things got crazy in the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> but Besiktas weathered the storm, and in the 67th minute, disaster struck an own goal for what's his first name? Dursun. Dursun. Is it uh, Sally? Sally Dursun, right? Oh, Sally. What a name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a douche. <laughs> Shout out to the group chat on that. Sally Dursun lets in an own goal. It's four to one, and I gotta say it was a classy own goal. It was it was a striker quality own goal. Um, came in off a corner, uh, not a corner, uh, a cross. Was that Lijic again? Who had sent that in? Doesn't get counted as an assist, but do you remember Khan? Uh, that was Guven, yeah. Uh, it was Guven. Sure That's just... what it was. I switched. Yeah, I swapped there. Uh, so I'm anyway, actually just watching the replay of the goal right now. That's why I was a little tardy in no, replying because uh, I just want because I just wanted to no, I just wanted to look back at something because uh, it was it was Lens that really made that counter happen. But when I was watching um, the post match uh, on a replay or something of, of a summary or something, the commentator um, mentioned Kyle Laren twice, and I was like, no, nah, that was I'm pretty sure that was Lens. So I went just back to check, and yeah, it was definitely Lens. Yeah, Laren didn't really do anything right <laughs> after he came in. We're going to be 100% honest about that. Um, anyway, but so Guven Yelchin came off not much later in the 69th minute, making way for Gary Medel. 
making our tactic all crazy and hard to really explain at this point yet again that's sort of trademark of late in the 70 more in the 74th minute mevlut erdinch comes on someone turkish football fans will recognize for sissoko they're obviously signaling intent with that move going forward uh in the 81st minute Shinji Kagawa comes on for Adem Lijajic, signaling his debut, getting a rousing cheer from the away crowd, and it would not take long for him to make his mark. And literally his first touch, well, maybe not literally, because it was a little dribble move, so maybe on his third literal Yeah, touch. it was like his fifth, fifth or sixth touch, because he had a you couple know. touches on the ball, but yeah, yeah exactly. basically... But- on his the first, first time he got the ball. <laughs> possession, exactly. On his very first possession in the black and white, Shinji Kagawa slots in a beautiful shot, totally catching Bofan off guard uh, and really catching everyone off guard. He, he, every, even himself, he, he kind of shrugged after he scored, like, who saw that coming? Uh, yeah, he was on the pitch for like 35 seconds at that point, not even a minute. Beautiful. Beautiful stuff. And... It would take two minutes, two full minutes, for Shinji Kagawa to then get back on the scoreline. Adriano brought the ball forward well, earned a free kick pretty far outside of the box, if we're going to be honest. How many yards? You're the yardsman. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm definitely not a yardsman. I'm a, I'm a meter man. <laughs> I, think, I think it was uh, roughly the same as, as the light free kick earlier. I think it was, an, again, around the 28-29 meter mark. Um, it was quite far out, so uh, definitely did not expect uh, uh, that to go in. Uh, because Kagawa isn't a set-piece specialist like Leitch is. With Leitch, you know that, you know, it doesn't really matter which angle, how far out. You know, as soon as it's within, like, that that 30 meter range, you know that Leitch can surprise the keeper, but definitely didn't see this coming. Uh, so, yeah, carry on. <laughs> yeah, um, so there you have it. 6-1 to one in the 84th minute. Stunning free kick from from deep um I think it was lucky though it was a little yeah it it took I mean it was a combination of luck and and intent though you know because it took a weird bounce so you can't I mean the keeper will obviously be disappointed but he'll probably defend himself by saying dude that took a crazy weird bounce and it had weird spin on it and it did but still if you're a keeper you're gonna hang your head it, it came from low first, and then it, it went up and dipped just before the keeper. And then that's so difficult because he was already on the wrong foot because you expect the shot to go elsewhere. His his his, his vision was kind of obscured by the wall. Uh, and then it just, yeah, like you said, took a little bit of a weird bend. And it, it dipped early, which caused that bounce just like a meter or one half meter bef- in front of the keeper who was leaping towards you know the the, lo- the low corner and uh, that it yeah b- bounces in is difficult for a goalkeeper uh i think many will will blame him there but uh it's very difficult when uh, the ball dips that early because it's you know first and foremost you need to get it over the wall but then it for it to come back down so quickly and of course on on a far free kick that's much easier uh, but it's just very treacherous for a goalkeeper it's not easy yeah and, and so that's, that's where I, I say like luck but also intent i think it, it was sort of an audacious enough 
effort that the keeper was like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> you know, he got a little bit thrown mentally, but then also there was something technically going on that could have added another element. But anyway, the score at that point is six to one. In the 90th minute, Chico, <laughs> I like that guy's name, uh, Chico would make it six to two or, or two to six if we're going to be uh, accurate, more accurate and that sort of thing. Uh, Mevlut actually assisted him. Oh, that might be of note for any Mevlut fans who might be listening. Uh, and that's how the scoreline would end. Two to six, Besiktas victorious on the road in Antalya. Hey, good job, guys. Good win. Uh, do you have anything to say about that before I get into the stats, Khan? Nope. Let's, let's do it. So, the stat flash. 13 shots by Besiktas to Antalya's 11, but 7 on target to their 4. Possession was actually 51% to Antalya to 49% by Besiktas. 364 passes completed by Besiktas to their 360. Very close. Accuracy, 74% Antalya score to Besiktas's 71%. Hmm, interesting. Fouls, 14 committed by Besiktas to Antalya's 12. Three yellow cards for Antalya to Besiktas's two. No red cards. Seven offsides by Antalya Spore, seven corners each. So statistically, Antalya Spore is the hungrier side. They're the ones possessing the ball more. They're playing more efficiently, although to be fair, neither side passes particularly efficiency efficiently in this in this situation although Besiktas is just far more efficient up front very interesting and very rare as far as this season goes now Khan is there anything that that interests you in those stats among those stats uh I don't know there's not really something that really jumps out in the stats uh I think that uh Antalya were hungry they were down um, by a lot of goals for much of the match. And and I think that before before the one nil or the nil one whatever, they were the better side. And then after the one three, they were the better side for about twenty minutes. So they they definitely had uh, a good 50, 60 minutes span where they were good in this game. So two thirds of the match, they were probably the better side. But yeah, they lose two to six. So. Yeah. It's interesting Can't that really say much. whenever Bechers gets a good result, they seem to have less of the ball. <laughs> That's one one interesting thing about the stat that I'll note. And today it was quite close. Um, but I, well, I, I think it might have to do with the fact that most of our... Well, most. There's really not been all that many, but the, the good results we've gotten have come on the road more often than at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been disappointing at home. Um, uh, you know, I mean, one-one draw to Erzurum Spore last week. You can't really. I mean, that's just flat-out disappointing. Uh, so, before that, we had a, a good result away at Akisar, and now today we have a good result away at Antalya. So, yeah, those are two away matches. So you can come to expect that you're going to have less of the ball there. 
um, and that you're going to probably have to play a little bit more reactionary football, which kind of was the case. I mean, our, our fourth goal was a nice counter. Uh, our second goal was, was a nice turnover as well. So um, I think there's just more freedom in those games, more spaces, especially if you open the scoreline, because I think in the first 30, 35 minutes, uh, Antalya were kept it close, kept it shut quite Quite well. There was just a one weak little shot by Guven in the ninth minute or so um, before the, the penalty. And that really just broke it open. This was one of those typical games where the first team that scores is going to end up winning. And Antalya Spore were on a bad run going into this game with four matches where they hadn't won a single game and hadn't scored a single goal. They lost twice 2-0. They drew twice 0-0. So they were on a bad run. Um, and they had an important game here. They had to get some points. Uh, they they were stubborn. I think there was a lot of that, a lot of stoppages in the first half hour, and that that would have continued because it's a Bullet Kokmas team. They like to play like that. If they go one 0 up, it's going to be a nightmare because then th- those stoppages are only going to increase. So it was very fortunate for us that we got that first goal through the penalty, which was, of course, 100% deserved. But before that penalty, we really didn't muster all that much, and it was really that that broke the game open. And, and it reminds me of a, of a game in, in our, cha- our first championship under Gunesh in, in, um, in Gaziantep, I think, that was that season where it was nil-nil until the 77th minute and it was just such a difficult game. And then we score a free kick and it just and the match ends like one to four or something in like the last 20 minutes alone. That's just these types of games where as soon as you get that breakthrough, there's going to be more space for you to capitalize on. And when you have guys like Laich, like Adriano, who was really in his element today, like Lenz, uh, like Dorukan, guys who there's a lot of movement when when you're on the counter then you can exploit these types of teams but you need to get that breakthrough first before you can uh yeah capitalize and 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 exploit these teams because before that they're just so stubborn and well organized and it's really just so important to get that first goal that's been our problem in in many games this season i think like for example erzurum spore last week if we get that first goal we're always going to win that that's a game that if you play it 10 times, you win it nine times. But they score first, then you don't win. You're lucky to get a point. Well, lucky. You're happy to get a point, perhaps. Yeah. And, and, of course, End rounds. just to go back to what I was saying earlier about um, how we seem to do well in games where we don't have as much of the ball. And it's natural that when you're, you're leading, the other side is going to have more of the ball and be pressing. So that's one obvious explanation. But, yeah, I, I think it does go deeper than that. I think it does. The fact that we do it on the road matters as well. But also, I, I think there's something to be said for the team not overthinking things a lot. And I, I, I when like for example, when Quaresma's on the pitch, I think there's a constant concern of like, are we getting him the ball? To the, is he getting pissed off in the corner of there and becoming impetuous? Got to give him the ball a certain amount, and then you know he's sending in crosses. Is you know that's his thing and. It, I, I, perhaps there's a, a more freedom in general without him out there. Uh, but anyway, I don't, I don't want to speculate too much on that. And yeah, in that that first 35 minutes as well, you did also see that we were focusing a lot on on wing play and and, and crossing the ball into the box where 
there's really not much presence up there. You know, your lens was going and trying to cross. Jenner was trying to going to cross. And around the 25 minute mark, we finally amassed some pressure and and, and put them under. Yeah, a little bit in a tight. We put them in a little bit of a tight spot with some consecutive corner kicks and stuff like that. But um, it, most of the danger was coming from 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 relatively early crosses, and it's uh, we don't have the players for that right now. Um, and and it's just yeah, like I said, until you get that first opening goal, we can't really get into our element and our our, our play style. I think right now for the team that we have, probably reactionary football is is easier. That can change. I think if you have both Light and, and Kagawa on the pitch at the same time, uh, I think you can play a very different type of football. With with Chana, you're almost kind of forced to play that wing play, um, and and you can maybe hope that that Lenz and Gukan can force something on the right, which they did. I mean, their combination created the penalty, um, so that's kind of what you have to hope for uh, as long as it's nil nil, and then of course not uh, not a. Uh, uh, eat a goal at the other well, end because then you're going to have a nightmare against these types of and teams. And to tie this thing together, you know, we said, I mentioned this before, uh, but Kagawa looks like he's ready to go. And so that means he, if he's a lock in that number 10 role, I think Ljajic is a lock in the left wing spot. But let's get back to that in a second. Just to, to also tie another little bow on my little stat flash before we fully devolve into analysis. Besiktas' two yellow cards went to Domagoj Vida in the 14th minute and Germain Lenz in the 72nd minute. So um, I don't know what that spells for them. I don't believe either of them are suspended. I don't think they've accumulated enough yellows. No, Vida just had a Vida just had his yellow card suspension, so he's in the clear. He has to get three more. Jermaine uh, Lenz, I hmm, think he might have had a suspension already, or he might be getting close to one. Um, but the only ones who were in danger of getting a suspension today were Gary Medell, Thorokan, Leitch, and Nejib. So Nejib didn't play, and the other three didn't get a card. So we're good for next week against Bursaspor. I do want to say, though, I think both yellow cards were kind of BS. Uh, I think the first one for Vida was... <coughs> that was, okay, maybe you, you can give that, I guess. But to me, that was very soft to give that. And then the lens one was, was ridiculous because um, Boffin basically just, you know, entangles himself in him and and, and and then gets pissed off and then Lens gets a yellow and it's like oh okay what and then there's another moment which really annoyed me i think it was before the 4-1 where we got a goal kick and it was like one of the first goal kicks in the match for us and immediately carius gets warned and, and almost gets carded for wasting time which he wasn't even doing all all that much and that, that's the, that that really just gets me because i remember so well that against bursaspor he got a yellow on his first goal kick where he maybe stole like two or three seconds and you have so many games throughout the season where you see goalkeepers wasting 30 40 seconds and just not even getting an, not as much as an angry look from the referee and I don't know what's what it is. It's like you know, you know how Quaresma gets these red cards. I was gonna say yeah, really like the easily, Sinan, like, Sinan Gumush tackle you know, uh, in the Galatasaray match. Yeah. Like he clearly did. A, it was a classic Quaresma Exa horror tackle. Same thing. He just got a, a yellow. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not arguing that it's a. I'm not arguing that it's a red card for Quaresma. I think it's a red card. But the the, the there's a double mm -hmm. standard where. 
Quaresma does something like that and a referee doesn't even hesitate, immediately pulls out the red. But when another player does it, it's like he gets off with a caution and it's like, ah, why? Why is that necessary? And, and that's th those types of things where, you know, referees are just biased, I think, in yeah, a way. Sure. Um, not necessarily saying that they're biased against Besiktas, but they have like these prejudices against certain players I, I i i for the life of me i don't know where that would come from against carriers because he's not he's not yeah, a he's time waster I mean, if, you compare like, that to, if you compare that to muslera who's who's the king of time wasting and volkan demerel who's the the queen of time wasting um those guys almost never get a I call. I bet their wives, their wives think he's handsome. They're jealous or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. But that's just one of those little. That's just one of those little pet peeves I've been developing this season, where I think Carrius gets cautioned way too quickly by referees because he he doesn't even waste time. Like you know, you know how uh, you can really lay it on tick sometimes. Goalkeepers can really lay it on tick when they're wasting time, and he doesn't do that. Yeah, yeah. So it just annoys me. Anyway, that's end of rant. Yeah, no, I mean that that sounds fully justified. Um, and I mean, this. What more is there to say? As we sort of like fully dig into analysis, I feel like we've really covered a lot of angles. Uh, you know, in our little interjections throughout the the you know, match description or whatever that whole intro thing is. <laughs> the, um, the exact thing I was trying to avoid. Exactly, yeah. No, but, you know, I think we we, we handled it well. Um, I I mean, all let's let's just dish out awards, if you will. Uh, who, for you, today, who caught your eye the most? I'll let you go first, because mine would be Lance too predictable. really good today. Oh, you're a man land. I mean, obviously, obviously, Kagawa was great <laughs> and he stole the show, but he came in at 4 1 in the 80, 81st minute when the yeah. game was already played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't want to take anything away from his performance, but there was already a, a match played before that point, and I think that Lens was, was instrumental in, in getting the result. Like I said, he was on the basis of getting the penalty in combination with Gukan. Uh, he was instrumental in the 2 0 as well. Um, and he was instrumental in the 4-1. So he had a really important role in three of our <laughs> ultimately six goals. But uh, yeah, I think that in having an important role in, in, in three of the opening four goals. Uh, and and in, let's be honest, I mean, that fourth goal, that was really important because it kind of um, thwarted their momentum because they were really... Uh, Putting on the pressure, they came close a couple times to getting that two to three, and if they get that goal, then this could end very differently, because um, they were already having the momentum at that point. So that was a very important goal, and obviously, like I said several times already, that opening penalty goal was very important as well, and he was, he had a key role there too, and in the second one as well. So yeah, I mean, what can I say? For me, he was the man of the match pre minute 82. Yeah, it's a good pick, and and I also like coming to a guy's side who who gets slagged way too easily. You know, I think he's another one of those lazy mans. Uh, you know, but there were a lot of guys, by the way, that deserve deserve mention today. I think. Yeah, I mean, you've got to you've got to call it Dorakon. Dorakon has brought so much energy to a section of our team that was so yeah. dead for so long, honestly, that. I can't, you know, I, I guess since you took Lens and since we've 
you know, I guess we're not allowed to give it to Kagawa. You know, you whatever. can give it to Kagawa if you want. <laughs> no, no, it, your, your your reasoning was was too good for me to go against. Honestly, I, I, you can't give it to someone who comes in and, and puts the icing on the cake. You know, the, the you got to give the baker his yeah. credit. You know, um, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I would say Dorakon is probably you know if. Mm, I t- you take out lens. I think Adriano uh, was great too. He had a good Adriano put in a lot of energy today, especially because I think he may have been playing slightly injured in, in his last few appearances, and people were slagging him as you know when things get grim around here, people start really getting vicious, <laughs> um, and that was very much the case. I'm a big Adriano think, fan, as, as you might well know. I am. I'm really a huge fan of his. To me, he's he's the best left back I've seen wear the shirt. Uh, and I've watched Besiktas for for a good two decades, so for me, he's the best left back that I've seen in that time span. Yeah, I, I think that's hard to disagree with. Honestly, I, I can't think of. I mean, obviously, there's 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 guys like Ibrahim Zulmas who are club legends, you know. But you can't. You can't. I actually lived through that compare. whole Delhi Ibo phase, and I gotta say, like. I remember people not being particularly thrilled to see him on the... On the yeah, I, I thought he was amazing in the 11. first few years. And then he had a couple of really bad ones, in my opinion, where he was extremely frustrating to watch. And then towards the end of his career, he got better again, I thought. Um, but Yeah, uh, he was sort of... Yeah, yeah. But anyway... I think the whole, the whole Delhi reputation went to his head and he, he you know, he started to lose his focus. But anyway, let's... <clears throat> Let's like is okay. So our, our highlights have been dished out. Do you have any lowlights, Khan? Any anyone yeah. stand out that really did not do what they needed to? Uh, I had I probably have a tw- two names that come to mind. Uh, Channer, I thought wasn't particularly good. Also, uh, left the pitch in a in in, in a, not in a positive way and. There was some swearing involved, I think, and I don't know if it was uh, directed at Channel Gunesh or if it was directed at just, you know, in general or, you know, because, I mean, I don't know how you get when you're angry, but I, I when I'm angry, I can swear and people around me may think that it's directed at them, but it's completely not directed at them. Yeah, yeah, I hear that. You know, yeah, so sure. uh, he left, uh, he left uh, the pitch and uh, there's some videos and people saying that he, he called Channel Gunesh uh, a certain certain two words in Turkish uh, but uh, I, 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 I don't know uh, from my own personal experience I think he was just mad at himself for not venting yeah that's how I interpret that and I think it's a little bit silly to immediately start uh, looking for trouble there I mean if he doesn't start the next couple of games then you can probably <laughs> derive out of that that he was indeed speaking to Chanel but I don't think that was the case but uh, apart from that I think his match just wasn't that good I mean he I, I, yeah. I just don't think he fits into that left winger role very well contrary to what some people may think because he's had a few good games there uh, I just don't think that's his 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 style I mean he he's best coming out from left back because that gives him more space when he's on the left wing, he's gonna get marked more tightly, and he doesn't yeah. function well. When he's well. the surprise, like when you when you're springing a guy, and he brings that surprise little burst. That's what what, great, what game know, was it before yeah. the before the winter break where he came on in the second half and he played on the left wing and he really injected some quality and and was yeah, dangerous. Yeah, that- 
had like two headers and a shot and stuff like that and i think ultimately yeah, yeah, we got all cut up. yeah so he he got an assist and after that match people were like oh my god he should play left wing but he's all right it's just it's just one moment where he has a good game there but i mean if you let him play 10 games at at, at left as a left winger he's probably gonna put in six out of ten performances for 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 the majority of those games if that so yeah not ideal yeah, i hear that and i'll steal your thunder on your second one before you yeah. and I say kyle, kyle laren yeah for sure yeah too yeah kyle laren came in like okay I'm, like if you're looking if if you're a canadian listener and i i wouldn't be surprised if we had some and you were looking for a silver lining on how kyle laren played I can say that he got into such a dark place at certain at certain points uh, for a stretch there, honestly, where he wasn't even getting into positions anymore. And so at least he's bringing some of that. Like this second half of the season, he's brought energy and he brought energy again. But that's not going to get anyone. You, 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 you can have all the energy in the world, but if your first touch is so bad that you're going to ruin an opportunity and then you're going to have to waste a bunch of energy to sort of make up for the first touch, that's not going to benefit you so much. And today, the story of Kyle Aaron was really, I think, uh, he needs to get his his ball control, his first touch. He needs to get that sorted, man. It's really not up to it's not up to snuff. And I don't know if it, it was, was his first, on, but was it his first touch? Because I mean, both positions, he was central on goal, and I think he had plenty of time. Uh, and it was just one of them, that he couldn't. One of them, get, he bonked it to the right, and I think if he just touched it a little more gracefully and then put a shot on he probably mm. could have done something but yeah i, I maybe first touch but definitely ball control definitely mm-hmm. dribbling in general yeah well, actually no dribbling he, he once he brings it down and has it he can do but like his pass <clears throat> the touch on his passes is always like a little weird a little skewed not necessarily like it's not too heavy it just doesn't go where it needs to go you know uh yeah, clum- clumsy. Uh, just for the people listening, this is basically between the four one and the and the five one. Well, there's like yeah. a I don't know. There's like a uh, 13, 13, 15 minute window in which uh, there were two huge opportunities. I think for Laren, uh, the first one I don't ex- recall exactly who set it up, but the second one was a really nice through ball by Leitch. Um and and both of those positions were one on ones with the goalkeeper, and he just yeah just didn't do well there and uh, should, should do much better for being a striker um, and, a, and a striker that's supposed to be a decent finisher. Uh, so I think that those are, those are the types of positions where you're going to get, um, I think the coach is going to uh, take that into account and uh, is, you know, next time he evaluates his pecking order, I think that's definitely something that's going to stay with him. Um, and then at the the right at the end, like in the ninety third minute or something, there was like this really nifty pass by Kagawa. Yeah. Where again, you know, Lauren just remember in the beginning of the season when I when Lenz had that back heel assist against Torshaven and, and Lauren scored, where I said if that was against the Super League team, that would not have been a goal because the <laughs> amount of time that Lauren needed to realize that he had just received the ball from a back heel uh, <laughs> was just too much, and, and, a, and, a, and a decent level defender would be on that already. And that's the thing that happened here, I felt like, where he was, he, he just looked kind of, it just felt like he was a little bit too 
awestruck by the path that he got, and it, it just ended up in in complete nothing, nothingness. So it's just I don't like, know. Oh, <laughs> he got the buzz. It's like nice. And it's like oh wait, I have to do. This. I think Laren is just. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think he's a lost cause. I think he he has the potential, but he just needs to go out and, and yeah, play yeah. for for a smaller team, get more minutes, and develop. Uh, he's only 23, 24. Uh, it's not very young, and, uh, but that's young enough for a strike. To his credit, to his credit, in 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 the last few weeks, he's I, I think he's brought himself back up to the point where we where we can say that again. You know, there was a stretch where we thought he may have been. A complete lost cause. So at least he's showing yeah, a little but, verve. Yeah, but that's the thing in football. You know, when when the when when your morale is low, a, a very good footballer can look like a shell of them for former self. And I think that's just so important that something that people often forget in football is how important the head is. And I'm not talking about headers. I'm talking about the inside of your skull. You know, just being yeah 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 the confidence is such an important thing in football it's it's you see it time and time again with with, with when a when a, when an average player is on a high they can do stuff that nobody ever imagined they could do and and vice versa when a really good player is on a is is has low morale they can just look like such a poor poor player look at roberto soldado uh, for example, for Fenerbahce in these past couple of years, uh, you know, the past uh, couple of seasons, I mean, he's looked poor, but now recently he's he's looking far better. Um, look at Robin van Persie when he was at Fenerbahce. He was, he had a couple of good games, but he was all in all a major disappointment. Look at him now at Feyenoord. He's completely reliving and he's, he's just doing fantastic things again um and that's just football you know sometimes you have a dip yeah. and i think cal Aaron is, is one of those guys he needs to go out on loan he needs to go to a smaller team uh in, in maybe a league where it's easy to get goals cough cough eredivisie cough um and he needs to get his mojo and i think once he's confident in himself he could be a decent level striker. I think he could be a good striker for an Anatolian team. I don't think he'll ever be a Besiktas level striker. Uh, you never know, but I don't think so. Because I think at this stage in his career, he should be further along. But I think he could be a very good striker for, say, Antalya Spor or Riza Spor or whatever. But he just needs to get his mojo back. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're absolutely right about the mental aspect of the game. It's such a it's such a vital component, especially if you're a striker. I think. Yeah, um, goalkeepers and strikers, and, especially. Uh, you know, I, yeah. So credit to him for for reestablishing himself as maybe a prospect of some kind, although still that's not quite it. That's not enough. No, I think Lauren is someone that Bishesh can still get some money from i think he's a player if you send him out to like i said eredivisie or something in holland and if you can have a good season there i think he's the type of player you can sell for three and a half for five million perhaps to maybe the mls or he's maybe certainly young enough differently yeah i mean he we got him on what well, 1.8 million transfer fee and he's on a high wage that's a problem but for the mls that's not a problem so if he could go out and have a good season in, in holland i could definitely see us make a make it make a decent sum on him to sell him back to an mls side and the problem to begin with with him why he came to bishtesh was because he was on a, on, a, on a ridiculous rookie contract after three years where he was yeah. making like two hundred thousand dollars um 
and and the problem was that he was one of the better strikers in the league and he wasn't getting paid accordingly where other strikers might be making 1.5 million dollars a year he was making 200,000 so i i get that frustration in in his regard he should have had a new contract way before but i guess that with the MLS, mls construct uh the construction yeah, of the mls really they they didn't really want to give him that because they only have four players or so per team that can make more than a certain amount uh anyway it's neither here or there so let's move on but uh i definitely think that kyle Lara <clears throat> could still get fetch us some money if he has a good season somewhere else yeah i mean honestly moving on i think that's what we all need to do and we can't get too carried away with today's result today's result was fantastic it was it was a dream come true it was exactly what we all needed but we need to move on and temper like our expectations of Shinji Kagawa, for example. Um, but just in general, like we can't expect a six to two result against Borussia next week, even though we'll be at home, which is exciting. But so let's let's leave it there. Uh, let's get excited about next week, and we'll see you guys again after the match against Bursa. It's Sunday, next Sunday, the tenth of February. <clears throat> now. Yeah. Um, the match is at seven local time, so that it'll be five for me, and I guess that'll be. I think that's eleven or noon. Eleven for you, yeah. yeah. Eleven for you, so uh, f- five in Central Europe, um, and uh, seven locally in Turkey. Yeah. <clears throat> so besides today's match, there is a little bit more to discuss. Khan, we have to talk a little bit about A, the error we made, and you've already corrected that regarding Shinji Kagawa's contract. But more importantly, let's talk about that contract or or lack thereof in some ways. Khan, so what's the story regarding this OTB option to buy? Well, uh, supposedly there was going to be an option to buy included in the contract for 1.6 million euros, but apparently that's been omitted from the contract for some yeah, the, the 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 reason that's being put out there which i don't really buy but the reason that is being put out there is that well hanover came in at the last minute and they also made an offer for kagawa so dortmund wanted a 500 000 euro loan fee um which made besiktas decide to omit the buyout clause in favor of not having to pay a loan fee um but i that just seems so completely out there uh because I think the agreement was already in place for Kagawa, so I, I don't really buy that. As a, I don't think that's legit. I think, but that's just my personal opinion. Um, there's this theory as well that um, because there's elections coming up in May, that they might want to keep this buyout clause, you know, just hush hush not talk about it because i mean the, the rumored buyout cost was 1.6 million euros which is an absolute steal now if they can in april or so announce we've signed shinji kagawa for 1.6 million euros that's like complete and utter um election propaganda for them that's a huge win especially if they can uh, put it under the guise of well, we didn't get the option to buy, but we managed to negotiate Dortmund down to a to a, to a great fee, and uh, yeah, just you know, huge feather on our cap, that kind of stuff. 
So uh, that's kind of what I'm, 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 I'm thinking, and also, of course, hoping because I, I mean, I think we all, I think what we've also seen the, the reaction on social media when the news came out that there wasn't an option to buy. I think we saw a massive response from the Besiktas fan base, where they were just incredibly disappointed with the fact that there wouldn't be an option to buy. And I think there was already these these feelings creeping back in. Uh, and these, 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 yeah, these, these very bad memories of Mario Gomez, Abubakar, uh, Talishka—all deals that were loans initially that had options to buy, but then didn't happen. And I think the fans are just really afraid to get their hearts broken again. Yeah, yeah. See, this is what lends, yeah. like, you know, keep keep those tinfoil hats on for a second, if you will, because I really do think that this all to me lends some credibility to the notion that there could be some trickery at work here. Some, as you say, propaganda, because you don't want to go into your election having lost yet another transfer to the, to the same way, like you said, like we've lost Talishka and we've lost Gomez. So I think not only would it be like, oh, wow, we got this guy and it didn't go in that way, but for it to be able to be announced just before an election, I think it's it would be too much of a risk for them not to have some assurance, even if it's just like a gentleman's handshake with uh, with with Dortmund saying like, "Hey, look, if if Shinji Kagawa was happy here, we'll go ahead with the agreement." You know, if there's, I think there's some X variable at work there that 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 goes a little deeper than just uh, there's no OTB period. You know. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, and even after, yeah, no, and even after the match, there was like this this reaction from one of the the, the Bishkek board members from uh, Ahmed Ukmezgil, who said, "To my knowledge, there is an option to buy in the contract." And then, like a couple minutes later, like as if he got like this angry text or something, like, "Oh my god, what did you say? You totally you screwed totally screwed exactly. up!" And he immediately like. Yeah, and he, he he immediately went back out and said, "Oh no no no, I'm sorry, I made a wrong, I made a mistake. There's no option to buy, <laughs> you know." And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's you like, know. So, yeah, it really did. It was just long enough for someone on the board to be like, "Dude, you screwing the pooch, man." Well, and another thing yeah, is that yeah. Shinji Kagawa gave a very nice, formal goodbye to Borussia Dortmund, which somewhat closed the door on their relationship, at least you know, as far as. Uh, the sentiment he had for well, the club and everything. So it doesn't as give far the process, as, it didn't seem like there was a possibility he'd be back next year to then give another speech no. about good, you know, like. No, but that's because, no, nah, but the thing is that, that it's been, Dave, but Kagawa's story at Dortmund has been last season that was finished and it was clear from the summer that he, he also said, I mean, remember we had those, those, those interviews with him as well at the beginning of the season in the Japanese media, where he clearly said, look, I'm, I'm looking for a new challenge. And, um, he, he was looking for, yeah, a new challenge, a new chapter in his career. I mean, Dortmund didn't really see him into, they, he wasn't in their plans for the future. Um, so in the summer he was already, looking for a club and there were you know obviously Bishtesh was trying really hard to get him um, but he was very hesitant towards that move I think he also kind of shed some light on that as well uh, in his first interview um, when he arrived uh, he 
and, and no, sorry, that was Shafak Mahmoud Yazajolu who basically shed some light on that. But basically, what what Mahmoud Yazajolu said is, Kagawa wants to take these six months, and he wants to see if he can adjust to life in Turkey. He wants to see if he can, if this is for him. Um, and I think that's that's understandable. I'm and also why he didn't maybe commit in the beginning of the season um, to this move, but he also made it clear that he still has something on his bucket list and that's Spain but if that opportunity that opportunity didn't come in the summer and it didn't come now either so he had the opportunity to go to Monaco but he either he decided against it or Monaco decided to pull out because of the the, the coach change I'm not sure what the deal was there but that didn't go through um, so then he just I think due to the persistence of Besiktas showing him that they and that's also something he said in his post-match in, in his interview yesterday with Bejika TV he said they showed me in the summer that they really wanted me and they showed me again now that they really wanted me the club has shown me a lot of respect the fans have shown me a lot of respect that's something he literally said I think for for Kagawa these six months is kind of an evaluation period as well uh, he has, of course, spoken to Yutu Nagatomo beforehand, uh, whether he should make this move or not. He's gotten positive feedback from Nagatomo. You know, Nagatomo even publicly stated, look, it's, life here is really good in Istanbul. You won't regret it to making that decision. Uh, he even said something like, obviously, I'd prefer him to come to Galtra and play with me, but you won't regret this decision, something along those lines. Um, and that's just, you know, I think... The Kagawa thing is, 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 it's, we have that, that, that side of the coin where maybe this is something they're saving for the elections. But I also think, on the other hand, it's something for Kagawa. If this is going to be a positive experience for him, and obviously it's got a perfect start, I think, I don't think you can imagine it being any more perfect I mean, than today's two start for him. Two goals, right? <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, if he can, if 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 this these coming 15 or 14 remaining games and he can really have this feeling of this is a team where i feel appreciated i feel like i can do something there's there's a challenge here for me um and that's just very i think that's just really important for him one is the, is the team and and the challenge there uh for him professionally um and is it and then two is Turkey somewhere he can get used to, somewhere he can live? And then three, perhaps, maybe if he has a good six months, if if there's no interest from Spain, I think that Bistich will definitely be a huge option for him. I think that's also why he didn't want to go to Hanover, probably, because that's just the same thing. And he has come out and said, I want a new challenge. And okay, Borussia Dortmund is a title contender, Hanover is a relegation candidate, but... I don't think he wants Bundesliga football anymore. I think he wants to go somewhere completely different. So preferably Spain, of course, but obviously Turkey is something very different too. Here's another element to this too, which uh, you haven't mentioned. When you're a guy like he is, who's reached in many ways the heights of international football, playing for Manchester United, Dortmund, etc., but not like coming into the to some of the big clubs young and and then not quite panning out as as a you know international star per se uh, i think there could be an extent to which he yeah. really wants to reclaim 
some of that like celebrity and not like just in Japan where that would be kind of automatic at this stage and especially at this stage in his career, but he could literally go back as a 40 year old uh, after he's retired and unretire and become a, you know, like Japan's not the challenge for him at all. Um, but so I think Turkey offers him a, the unique opportunity to get into Europe. And, I, and that's another factor that you didn't mention, but uh, not only do we need to play well in these 15 games and, and ingratiate him and make him feel like he's a, a vital cog, but I really think we need to get into Europe. And, and honestly, I, I don't know if like the Champions League versus Europa League is the the be-all, end-all. I, I think he could stick around for a Europa League run, honestly. Uh, but we certainly can't be finishing in seventh place. Yeah, but I think for, for Kagawa, probably what's most important is, like I said before, is there a challenge for him? I think he wants to be important. I think he wants to be uh, a key player in whatever team he goes, he, he, he decides to play for. Um, because, yeah, I mean, in that first stint with Borussia Dortmund, he was a big star. He was a key player. Um, then he went to Manchester United, was kind of a, a, had kind of a bit role. Uh, then when he went back to Dortmund, he was never really the... Mm, the star that he was before he wasn't the yeah. the, the central one of the central figures to the team he was still a good player for them and played plenty and is, of, is it, I, they'd moved on essentially yeah right? they have moved on him. for sure um but and that's also like for example now he wasn't at the asia cup with japan and they lost the final of course to qatar but he wasn't there and that's probably because he didn't play much this season so i think that for him playing time is important so then then there's this I think he was rumored with Sevilla at the start of the season and there's of course I mean he has made it clear that Spain is something that's on his bucket list but then I yeah. think you also have to keep in mind if you go to Sevilla mm, you're gonna have to fight hard for a place now he's Japanese it's so of course thing, yeah. of course he doesn't mind fighting for his place but I do think that perhaps at his age 29 going on 30 it's nice to know that you're appreciated and that you're going to be a that you're gonna be at the central centrum of the plans of the team going forward to the next couple of years. And I think yeah, he's with, still and again with European possibilities, not yeah, just yeah, an Australian team and, or and MLS. And yeah, and he's young enough um, to still be a, a central figure for a club for someone to to build around. I think both him and Lige are players that can build around at the same time. Uh, Lige, uh, currently 27, he'll be 28 next season. Kagawa will be 30 next season. But those guys are still young enough where you can build around for the coming three years or longer, perhaps, in, in the case of, of Lige for sure. So I, I, I think that for him, if this is a positive experience, that there's definitely the, the possibility of him staying. Um, but of course, given the, the club situation financially as well, uh, obviously his wages aren't being played by the club, they're actually being played by um, an outs like a Bishtesh supporter, uh, I forgot his name, uh, Hussein Yuchel or something I want to say. He's paying about 750000 of that 1.2 million wage uh, and then Orman is paying the rest so I think that's also probably something where they want to make sure that he has the best possible experience they don't mm. want to have no a, late fees yeah they don't want to yeah. have the situation where they have to ask him look I'm sorry but your paycheck is gonna be two to three weeks late would you mind waiting because that's what's rumored to be going on right now with Adriano and, and Vida and such uh, 
And I think that's fine for a player that's been at the club for a while. And uh, Well, fine. I don't think it's fine ever. But I think that a player who's been at the club for a while, who has committed his future to the club, and who knows the situation, and who already has an emotional attachment to a certain extent, they'll probably be like, ah, it's fine. I know I'm going to get it. It's fine. I think a new guy that's only staying for a small, short six-month window, I think it's a lot more dangerous for him to have to wait a couple of extra weeks for his paycheck, even though obviously a guy like Kagawa isn't coming for money. That's not the main motivator for him at all. Um, but mm-hmm. you still want to, everything to go smooth there. Yeah, um, you want the, the, the a semblance of normalcy, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. I just want to pick up on one more thing, though, which ties into that, where you could think that maybe that would cause resentment from other players. But then I, I went, I mean, just the reactions from his teammates today when he scored... They swarmed him and they were so happy for him on both goals and just the interaction he's having with his teammates after the game. The interview during the after interviews. the match? Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I think that's just... Li- Lijic and Lijic. Atiba both yeah. did a little bow when he came yeah. on stage. And, and, and Lijic, you know, supposedly, you know, that was suggested in the post-match interview that they were competitors, which I don't think they are. I think they can perfectly function together. Um, and, and just, I think it's just such a, a nice... Uh, way to welcome a guy into the team, and I, I, I don't know. I think Kagawa is a very difficult player to resent for his teammates. I don't think you can mm-hmm. resent those type. I mean, those Japanese guys are just so amazing. They're so humble. Um, such a worker. Yeah, they have such amazing ethics. I, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I wish we had a couple more Japanese players. If I'm honest, go Toku Sakai if you're out there and you're yeah. willing to sign need, up to a team-friendly deal. We need a right back, so uh, exactly. and then and then maybe a Shoya Nakajima on the left wing. Uh, Next gen, although, yeah, let's keep it coming. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, um, and to any Japanese supporters out there, stay tuned because we're definitely uh, yeah. we're gonna be talking about Shinji every week. <laughs> I can sure. guarantee yeah. that as and long as he's on the pitch, we'll be talking episode. about it. And if he's not on the sure. pitch, uh, we'll be talking about why he's not on the pitch. But um, yeah, for sure, stay tuned and and stay tuned for a special episode upcoming. Khan, do you want to yeah. maybe introduce that a little bit before we go on to the standings? Yeah, I'm, uh, there's just one more thing I also want to talk about, about Kagawa, <laughs> before oh, we end wow. things. Yeah, still not done. Um, but yeah, we're definitely going to have a, a Kagawa Central episode. We do this on all our new transfers, so if you're a new listener and you're thinking we're just laying it on tick because it's a you know, a Japanese player and a big star. No, we, we, we actually do this for all our new signings. We do all a special yeah. episode. Um yeah, of course. I mean, if, if it's a it's a, it's a youngster coming from obscurity, there's not really much we can do. But you know, guys who, who have had a, a career already that that we can have find an expert to talk to on. Uh, we're definitely gonna do episodes on those guys, and we're we're gonna do one on on uh, Shinji Kagawa for sure. Uh, I'm scheduling an interview with Dan Orlowitz uh, somewhere in this coming week, um, so expect that episode to drop somewhere around. Thursday, maybe, or something like that. Um, but before we wrap things up, Sinan, there's just one more thing I want to touch on, and that's the way that another reason why I think that Kagawa isn't necessarily just a six-month thing is the 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 way the club is 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 just laying it on super tick. And there's already been a, a TV broadcasting deal with Day EZN 
in, in Japan. So all of Bishitech games are already being broadcasted in, in Japan right now. Same with Galtrider's matches, of course, due to Yuto Nokatomo. Um, but that's already been done. Um, Bishitech have been marketing this deal, have been marketing Kagawa coming to Bishitech quite heavily. Um, there's even a, a Japanese Twitter account that started, uh, of, I think it's an official club account that started. And of course, we know that that Bishish have been trying to make inroads into the Japanese market for a while. I mean, they start, they had this huge Mainichi Sponichi deal. Obviously, they had the deal in the beginning of the season with Mainichi where they wanted to branch out into Japan. And um, I spoke to uh, someone recently about that. And because I. I had someone in, in Japan reach out to uh, Mainichi and he actually spoke to the CEO of the company and the thing, the situation was, he was going to get back to me on that if there was a story there and he said, well, there really isn't, they don't really know yet what they're gonna do uh, with, with this deal and I think now they know because now now Bishitish is going to be relevant in, in Japan because arguably the, 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 their greatest player in history and I don't know how much, how high he ranks up there next to a Nakata Hidetoshi or something but I think he's pretty big uh, I think definitely from this generation he's the biggest star uh, I think the only one who can come close is Honda and I think Kagawa has had a better and, and, and more successful and more and higher profile career than Honda has had uh, because I mean Honda mains its main success has come in, in in a small team in the Netherlands and then in, in Russia and he wasn't yeah. really that successful in Italy or anything and and of course Kagawa had that huge uh, that huge uh, career for for Dortmund and then of course a transfer to Manchester United which is I think in Japan a bigger deal than a transfer to AC Milan I, mean, I might be wrong it's definitely something I'm going to ask Dan about. Uh, but I just think that uh, now there's a lot more pers uh, possibilities for Bishitech to start marketing themselves in Japan with this huge star, uh, this huge Jap Japanese star. Um, and there's been massive amounts of interest already being shown from Japan in Bishitech suddenly, which wasn't the case six months ago when they had that deal with Mainichi. So, um, yeah, just I think if... if I think if, like I already said, if it's a positive experience for Kagawa, I think he'll want to stay. And I think if he wants to stay, I don't think Dortmund will, if there's no, if there isn't a hidden option to buy that we're not supposed to know about. I even think if, if Kagawa has a positive experience and says, look, I, this is where I want to continue my career. I really don't think that Dortmund is going to well uh, be an obstacle. I think yeah, they I respect and, and love Shiji Kagawa a lot for what he's done for their club and I think they I think they wouldn't uh, say look Bishitis are only willing to pay 2 million this team is about willing to pay 5 million you, you have to go there I don't think that's what Dortmund are I think that they would take that 3 million blow and have <coughs> Kagawa go where he wants to be happy um, and then on the other end I think if this is a positive experience for Bishitis and if they can get a major sponsorship deal out of this from Japan which is which is the target? That's so. That's not something they're they're hiding. They're they're talking about that openly. That they want to find sponsorship agreements in the Japanese market. And I think if that's a possibility, and because of this deal, I think they will do anything in their power to keep Kagawa at the club. The only thing that I could see derail his future at the club, if everything on those two aspects goes the right way. Um, is that if Orman is not re-elected in May, 
and a different president comes in and that president does not share Oroman's vision of expanding into Japan. Although I think at this point with the amount of attention that business are, are, are already getting in a very short amount of time, I think you'd need to be quite um, ignorant to not see the potential there. I think there is a great potential for business to expand into that Japanese market and to become a, a brand that does well there. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. And for the record, it's of note that Japan as a very small island is a very developed economy of, I think, either very close to 130 million people or a little over 130 million. It's a, it's a giant market uh, that's football mad, uh, increasingly yeah. football mad. Yeah, and uh, they're, they're hungry for, for the players. Japanese. Sorry? Yeah, no, I just I just wanted to ex share my own experience. I mean, as someone who writes for, you know, who's a sports writer and who gets a lot of jobs from Japan, uh, which I've gotten for, for a couple of years already, I can say they pay really well. <laughs> I mean, and that's, I mean, you might, that's not some, yeah, I mean, it's just, if you if you compare the rate that you get in Europe compared to the rate that you get it from these Japanese companies, they're not. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that they're not afraid to spend some cash. It's on, a big deal. It's a really big on, deal. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and so the more the Besiktash can solidify this relationship, and I think you know, Mainichi, the Mainichi Sponichi thing was the first step. And then uh, Kagawa was a big second step, but I think you've got to build on that, and that that doesn't that yeah. means I think the club it would be it's it's it it feels like it's impossible to me that you just let Shinji Kagawa's loan expire after six months, you know that's it you're done and and you you've that that was what, yeah, that, that's not like the climax that that's has not to... the climax of a of a business yeah. and and Fikret Ormond to his credit, he's not a complete moron he has some experience in the business world. So I'm sure he knows better than to, to think like that. So I, I yeah, well, I, 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 I think it's I, very likely he comes back or if not, he's replaced by something even better. I well, know. I think there's, he's, he's, he's come out in the last couple of days with some questionable decisions in terms of quotes. But I think when it comes to him on the business side of things, agreeing sponsorship deals, I mean, the Vodafone deal was massive and he, there's been several really big sponsorship contracts that, 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 he and his board have 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 managed to get. I think the vision wise, there's a lot of positive to be said about Fikret Oman, uh, and I think his vision in terms of the Japanese market is definitely so, uh, something that uh, holds a lot of merit. Um, and and like you said, I think it would not make much sense that, especially if he is reelected, that this is just a six month thing. I think that, in my opinion, him being the biggest Japanese star out there right now. Uh, that's just the, the pinnacle of what you can do. And I think you need to continue and build off of that, like you said. So, for example, we need to ride back. So maybe Sakai would be, I mean, I'm not saying it's a realistic option. I don't know how willing Marseille would be to let him go for a friendly fee. Uh, but, like, for example, expanding that way, you get, and of course, you have to get quality. I mean, with Kagawa, you're getting, because some people said, like, oh, why should we, sh maybe we should get a, a Chinese player. But can you name a single good Chinese player? You know, I that's can. the thing with, with, with Kagawa. You don't just have this huge marketing uh, possibility. You also have a fantastic footballer, first and foremost, which is, which is always going to be the most important thing. I don't think you should get 
players from a certain nation just to get players from that nation. Agreed. I think when you get a player, it needs to be a, because he has the quality to play for your club. And I, you know, obviously Kagawa is that type of player. And I think a guy like Sakai is an, is another type of player that could do really well for Besiktas. Um, just putting a name out there, of course. Uh, look, for, you know, Yuto Nagatoma as a player, I would l have loved to see at Besiktas as well. I mean, yes, uh, unfortunately, he's 32, 33 years old already, uh, and he's at Galtzrai. <laughs> but I mean, he, ever since he came to Galtzrai, he's he's just one of those players you can't hate him because he's so good and professional. not good in terms of, I mean, yeah, just, I mean, yeah, a professional player always puts in his good match. And it's just like, he's there's no... He, he, yeah, he's not going to be provoking anyone or anything like that. It's just a, Players like that, just they demand respect. And more importantly, and given in the last half of the season and or, or a year plus even, mm -hmm. there, there's never a question of did they put it all out for you? Did they, did they put enough on yeah. the pitch? You know? And that's a big deal, <laughs> clearly. Yeah, for sure. And I <laughs> uh, anyway, Khan, we've got to wrap this one up. Yeah, we do. But before we do, tell me a little bit about the standings, or shall I? Uh, how do you want to do that? Well, they are currently sitting in a, in, a, in a shared third position, I believe. Uh, they're on yep. equal points with Malatya Spor and Trabzonspor, but with a better goal differential. Um, so Bishtesh are currently in third position with 33 points. Malatya Spor and Trabzonspor both have 33 points as well. Um, Galtray have are on 36 points following their 1-1 draw away um, at Alanya Spor yesterday, which uh, was a really good match, by the way. I thought uh, Alanya Spor were great again. Uh, it wasn't just against us that they were very good. Um, and then, of course, you know, Bashakshir sitting at the top of the table. Um, 11 points clear on us and 8 points clear on Galtzrai. So they have uh, 44 points, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, yeah. it's going to be they're, difficult they're to catch pretty. them. Sitting yeah. pretty. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway. Take us out. I don't think there's much more to say. Besiktas is in third place. Uh, we're in a position where one match where Galatasaray slips all three points. We're back in second. Uh, yeah. But we're and of course, Galatasaray made super first. heavy investments this January. They spent a lot of money to get that title, to get that Champions League money, and they slipped up this weekend. So that could be very painful for them come the end of the season, especially if you look at Bashakshir not letting up. Um, but for us, I think our goal should be first and foremost to secure second place. That's going to be difficult enough. Yeah. Uh, a title would be at this point uh, 11 points out would be a miracle with only, what is it, um, 14 games left to go. Maybe uh, Kagawa yeah, is our Yusuf Shimshek. Uh, the question is, who is our Fabian Ernst? Maybe Muhayer? <laughs> Maybe Dorakan. It's yeah, the story even, of Dorakan. Even at that point, I mean, we we weren't, we weren't. Uh, I think we might have been like a couple points behind Sivaspor at that point, but only a couple, yeah, and not no, 11. No and Sivaspor definitely weren't as formidable as this Bashak here is. So, unfortunately, I think the title is out of the question. Of course, you can never say never until it's mathematically done uh, but we need to stop start winning those home games yeah, we, we need to start winning starting we this need sunday start... against bursa please yeah because that's a big one yes and there's a rumor by the way and unconfirmed but that they're the the, the japanese fa has uh, allegedly <laughs> requested 500 tickets for their delegates to come and watch uh, kagawa uh, i hope it's true there you go uh, but we'll, dividends we'll have to wait and, see. and and already yeah. we saw some japanese fans in the stands this week 
We saw yeah. uh, a, 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 already a, a presence of journalists from Japan, which I'd I'd warned you all about. I hope the club can accommodate them. I'm, I'm, I can't say I'm surprised. I experienced that firsthand and back in 2000, 2003 or so, I think, when uh, Racing Genk uh, signed uh, Suzuki, Suzuki uh, Takayuki Suzuki. Yeah. Uh, and there was this massive interest from Japan being shown, and he wasn't even that big of a star. Yeah. I mean, the the biggest star back then was Honda for sure, um, and and I mean now Kagawa, of course, you know, such a big name in Japanese football. Obviously, there's going to be massive attention for that, uh, and I think it's just yeah, just a really positive thing for Bishdish. Uh, really I and for, hopefully I for one will be getting his shirt whether he stays or goes. Yeah. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah, I'm definitely getting a shirt gonna try my hardest to get a signed shirt <laughs> anyway um yeah i'm gonna take us out for sure uh <laughs> time to wrap it time to wrap things up uh for any new listeners um yeah thank you for listening uh, please go back and check some of our older episodes out we have some really uh, well-received episodes, especially one of our more recent ones, I think it was episode 53, in which I interviewed John Okar about the financial situation of Besiktas and basically all of Turkish football. Uh, we spoke about the whole um, debt restructuring deal that is being proposed by the Turkish Football Federation in conjunction with the Turkish banking sector. Uh, it's a very interesting interview that you definitely have to give a listen if you're interested in Turkish football, just so you can get to know a little bit why are these big clubs in Turkey struggling financially. Uh, we explain it in great detail, I think, and um, in layman's terms for the most part, so everyone can understand it. Um, and obviously, go back and listen to some of our players central episodes Isi Matamirin was a recent episode we did uh, we did one at the start of the season on Adam Leitch on Lois Karius those are always uh, very good episodes in my opinion as well and obviously the ones that I mean match episodes tend to not age as well as uh, those types of uh, timeless ones uh, but we had some really great episodes at the beginning of the season as well previewing our European opponents mm -hmm. You might want to give those a little, especially the Torshavan one. I just think those types of episodes of, of uh, obscure teams are always fun to learn about the Faroe Islands and, and their football culture and, and Torshavan, the team and the town. I thought that was really interesting to learn about yeah, yeah. as a football geek. Um, but no, lots of lots of good stuff yet to come. Like uh, Sina already said, we're definitely going to do a Kagawa episode in the next few days. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. Give us a like on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash international, just one big word. Um, follow us on Twitter at Besiktas underscore int, at eagles underscore podcast, at sir underscore writes underscore a lot, and myself, Kambayazet, at Rosarian, R-A-Z-Z-E-R-I-A-N. Give us a follow and please people drop us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere you can drop that review for the podcast. It would really help us out a lot. And um, if you have any questions for the podcast, please tweet at us um, or just tweet at the, the, yeah, whatever. Just feel free to ask your questions. If you ever want to submit an after the beep segment, then you can reach us on WhatsApp at plus three two four nine nine three three one six eight four. Once again, that's plus three two four nine nine 
1684. You can just send us a voice message through WhatsApp on there and we'll add it at the end of the episode as a after the beep, which is a something fun we do on this uh, podcast. Yeah, that's it for me. Come by as it. Sinan, please take us out unless you have anything else to add. Go, Bashing Tash. And to our Japanese, our new Japanese followers, Yokoso. Bashing Tash, you need I don't know. Nikudu, whatever it is. Come on down to Bashing Tash. We welcome, we welcome the new fans. We welcome the new fans to Bashing Tash, the podcast. We hope that we can serve you guys. I, I don't know if you'll get a Japanese podcast in the future, but certainly I think English uh, could be a nice bridge between us and the Japanese community. So we're happy to serve you guys, and we promise to give you lots of Shinji news. Um, and besides that, yeah, everyone else, come on. Let's go, guys. Second half of the season, we got this. We got this. <laughs> hope so. All right, man. Um... Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.